Hi, I'm Paul Stringflow and welcome to Tech Interviews. On this week's show, it's all about where the magic happens, as we discuss Gartner Magic Quadrants. So, settle back and enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Tech Interviews. As on the show this time around, we're going to be taking a look at an area that I've not really explored before, and that's the world of um, analysts and taking a look at how they look at the market, what that means, what that means to vendors, uh, what that means to to customers, people who are using IT in their, their day-to-day lives, um, and also you know how some of that kind of analyst process works. Um, and this just kind of came off the back of a conversation I was having with uh, with today's guest last week um, over a recent analyst report. The uh, it reflects really well on the company you work for um so I, th- I thought it'd be interesting to kind of explore it because it's I, I don't think it's an area that people often consider overly although they're all familiar with the likes of Gartner and, and idc so um so to help me to explore this week's topic i'm joined by uh, returning guest to the podcast uh, greg nerman hi greg how are you hey paul how are you yeah, I'm real good. So uh, I was just thinking we talked before we started recording. It's uh, it's just about a year, I think, since we uh, since we first spoke last time he was on the show. Uh, so uh, how's your last year been? How's things? It, it kind of feels like a roller coaster, right? Uh, especially as you're trying to get up to speed about how the company operates. Just the simple things that we sometimes take for granted of how you get stuff done uh, and the learning curve uh, that comes with that. So it's, it's been a fun ride and I've enjoyed it and I've learned a lot. So, yeah, well, well, fun ride can uh, always be taken in, in more than one way, I guess. But it sounds like, a, sounds like a positive fun ride as opposed to the uh, one where you throw up in a brown bag afterwards. No, um, I haven't thrown up yet. So, um, well, for people actually who don't know who you are, maybe haven't heard you on the show before or uh, not heard you um, kind of on the podcast or in social media in general, might tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, what you do. Sure. Hopefully, people, a few people have heard of me before, uh, but I don't want to get uh, too big of a head about that. So uh, I'm the chief technologist at NetApp. Um, I've been here, as you mentioned, for almost a year. Uh, before that, for almost six years, I had a similar role at Hitachi. Um, and then for 13 years before that, I, I was a, a VP at a channel partner in Cleveland. And uh, I think most people might know me from a podcast I used to do called Speaking in Tech. And uh, had a lot of fun with that. And in fact, there's still some talk about um, maybe getting the band back together. I don't know. We'll we'll see where that goes. But uh, yeah, it, it's 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 been a, a fun ride in in looking at uh, this industry evolve over the last 15 years from multiple different perspectives. Yeah, and I think that's some of the kind of areas that we wanted to explore today. Actually, that that kind of you know, as you've watched the uh, the industry evolve, and and you've done that both from um, a kind of a supplier of technology, a channel partner, as you talked about, um, and worked at a couple of you know relatively well known vendors. Uh, you know, Hita- you know, Hitachi are a, a huge vendor um, in all kinds of areas. You know, not just kind of IT. Um, and and NetApp, where you are now, you know, is a, is a very well known um, and sizable storage vendor. Um, but it's not particularly vendor that we, we were looking to talk about today was it we, we're going to have a look at this kind of the, the world of the analyst um so you know and this came off the back of this conversation we had last week about a recent uh, report from one of those analyst companies gartner um and and a look that they were taking uh, at the industry at the storage industry and some of their takeaways from it and and you know when we said this reflected particularly well on netapp so and but for maybe for people who aren't familiar with uh, kind of this analyst industry when it comes to, to it you know what's your, what's your take on that you know how, how would you describe that that to somebody who maybe doesn't pay particular attention to to what analysts say and what analysts do. Sure. Well, I think the, the value that the analyst community brings is kind of a, or they should be bringing, is a voice of independence of how they evaluate technologies, their adaptability, 
how uh, companies are leveraging those technologies and trying to provide a fair assessment of what the market looks like. But uh, to be quite candid, Paul, I, I kind of differentiate analysts um, in kind of two different camps because there's a lot of them. Um, and I would look at the Gartners, the IDCs, 451s, uh, more about <clears throat> doing market research in, in where customer adoption is and, and success or failures of technologies. Uh, there's a lot of analyst firms that I, I would almost call them content marketers, and they probably would cringe at me uh, saying that. Um, but, but, you know, they're uh, all too willing to write white papers and synopsis. Um, largely from an independent point of view, but they are paid for by the vendors. And so um, you wouldn't see that, for instance, from a, from a Gartner, but you might see that from um, an ESG, who also does market research and market analysis, but they're also writing white papers for vendors as well. So it's kind of a mixed bag of the types of content that analysts put together. Um, and I kind of differentiate them, um, you know, by tiers and, and really by reach and by influence. And if you look at Gartner and, and IDC, Forrester, 451, you know, they're kind of in, in a different tier, different reach um, than maybe some of the others in the market. And I think that's something um, I'm just conscious of that, right? Because when we tell the we tell our story at scale. We need to understand um, what those vehicles are and how to best tell the story. Yeah, and I, th and I think that's fair as well that, you know, the kind of the analyst community, for want of a better phrase, it, you know, it, and I think that's a pretty accurate uh, kind of differentiation. You know, you've got the kind of the big market research, um, you know, who, who have a totally different approach to finding information about trends, technology trends, how businesses are making decisions, some of the business pain points, and those who might be writing about uh, technology and the technology impacts. And I, and I think they're, they're fair separations. And, and I, I mean, for me, I think they've both got value, although perhaps value is a little bit different um you're right they, they all have different value because you know in, again with my you know NetApp vendor hat on we need to have independent sources provide feedback and content around the technologies we're delivering to market and some of the some some vendors or some analysts do that some don't and so there is a, a different level of value on on uh, each that each one delivers, and it's, it, but they are at different scales as well. Yeah, and, and well, I mean, maybe let's have a look at that for a second, because because um, one of the things we were talking about beforehand was that I, I know um, kind of over time you, your view of of analysts has changed a little, you know, and you were um, I, I don't know whether I should call you an analyst skeptic, um, but I'm, it's best phrase I could come up with at short notice. But um, you know, you, you've you've kind of seen that. You, say we talked before recording, you know, you've worked with a couple of vendors now as well as kind of um, a kind of a technology supplier, you know. So so you know, how has that view of analysts and and the value they bring changed over over the last few years well it's sure so you know when i worked for a, a channel partner years ago i always looked at the gartner magic quadrant and, and other uh, analyst reports with with a great deal of skepticism um and was probably you know one of those folks that was <laughs> probably i think i developed a reputation of being very anti um analyst and trying to understand the value um, that they're delivering and questioning sometimes how well do they actually understand the technology that they're writing about. Um, and that was kind of like an outside looking in perspective. Then uh, when I went to work for Hitachi, uh, initially I, I completely stayed away from the, from the analyst game. Again, still being very skeptical, but understanding it's, it's a 
part of the business that we had to pay attention to. And then an interesting thing happened uh, probably about two or three years ago um, for a short period of time, I was asked to run our analyst relations team at Hitachi. We were going through some changes. We were going through the rebranding of the company and we were just about ready to launch our first user conference. And we, we had um, a gap um, on analyst relations and public relations, which I uh, jumped into conditionally that I could get out of it after six months. <laughs> and because I didn't want to be that, that's not really where I, I viewed my you know, career project, uh, pr projection going. So, um, but it was a really great experience. And it's funny, I actually had a conversation with the CMO. I, I said, I'm probably the worst person you want to work with analysts. I, I, I'm not a fan. And he goes, that's exactly why I want you to do this. And so uh, in that engagement in, in working with all the major analyst firms, um, especially going through something as significant as the rebrand that Hitachi Data Systems was going through at the time, uh, exposed me um, in a way to analysts that I hadn't seen before or candidly uh, really appreciated. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of things behind the scenes that go on with, with analysts, especially when we were going through the rebranding and repositioning of uh, Hitachi Data Systems, part of that was consulting and advisory services and getting their feedback on where we were going with this. And these are the things that you don't see publicly, right? It doesn't necessarily reflect on their evaluations of Hitachi or anything. This is genuine, hey, this is the challenge or the problem that we're trying to solve. How is this going to be perceived in the market? How is this going to be perceived with customers? help us navigate what that looks like, right? And that's a part of it that you don't see the the, the public facing side of it. And so the, the the feedback and guidance on that was incredibly invaluable. And so I kind of opened my eyes to, to what the real value of, of working with analysts were and started lightening up a bit. And, you know, I was, again, mentioning before how I was a skeptic of analysts and the value they provide. And I always thought they're you know, pay to play and everything else. And people still think that, and I was one of those skeptics. The interesting thing is, is, and I have no problem saying this publicly, you know, I was at Hitachi and in, in, in NetApp now, and certainly with Hitachi, we didn't have any really AR budget. There was, there was no pay to play. Um, and even at NetApp, I, you know, I don't want to reflect on, on our budgets for these things, but I don't get the sense at all that and being on this side of it, that there is any element uh, to, pay, to pay to play. Um, they've got different parts of their organizations uh, that Gartner and, and Forrester and others deliver, and they do a pretty good job of separating kind of church and state from from the the, the content that the, the that they're delivering, separated from their advisory content and, and other deliverables that that they do. Um, it really is a, a sacred process that they take very, very seriously. Um, but if you're not on the inside working with that, you, you, you don't see that. Um, all you see is big vendors and they have big budgets and big dollars and assume that, that something something is uh, somebody's on the take. Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, I think that that, um, it's kind of, that kind of independence is is really important, isn't it? You know, and I think from both you know as as a vendor. You know, so maybe say at NetApp or previously at Hitachi, it's it's that kind of independent voice that is sometimes hard for you to gather. You know, it's 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 that idea that these guys are, are talking to businesses of all kinds. You know, not just big businesses, but they'll be talking to mid enterprise, maybe small organisations, organisations across different sectors. And like you said, getting an idea of where their pain points are. You know, what what are the challenges that they're seeing? 
in operating their day-to-day businesses in terms of technology you know how can technology companies help them out and to be able to come to organizations like like NetApp and say you know these are the real world problems people are having and compare that to uh, you know kind of NetApp's own strategy so if you know if a vendor's looking at doing a b and c to be able to take time with an analyst to say so like as you said you know what, what does abc look like in the market you know what does is that solving problems now you know and i i have this conversation all the time you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be part of uh, the netapp a team kind of a, an advocacy program that works with netapp and you know that we're a relatively small group but we're quite closely with you know senior management at netapp to try and tie those two messages together you know what do we hear in the market you know what of our what of our customers in, in my day job you know what are customers saying to me around data and storage and how does that play against kind of NetApp's overall strategy? So I think that that's got real value. But I suppose the other side of that, and I'd be interested in your view on this, is is how that works from a, a customer point of view as well. You know, I, I often feel that when I'm sat in front of a, a client who's looking at a new database solution of some sort, that it's really difficult for them because they'll have people like me sitting down with them all the time, telling them that the solution they're talking about is absolutely the best one. That's the that's the one you want to go and buy. And how how on earth they start to sift through that, you know? And so, did you see analysts like Gartner, like IDC, like Four Five One? You know, do you, do you see them having value for a for an enterprise at a customer level to to help them try and narrow down the field? Absolutely, absolutely, and I think largely that's probably the biggest value that something like the Magic Quadrant or Force or Wave or uh, some of the 451 research can provide is kind of, um, if you look at any, take storage, for instance, or hyper-converged, um, there's a, you know dozens of different vendors that are playing in these spaces. And the first step in the a selection process, after you've identified your challenge and, and the problem you're trying to solve, is now you've got to shortlist this. To you know, typically, depending on the size of the organization, typically they shortlist um, to two to three vendors. Um, you typically it's vendors that they they're familiar with, but also then um, based on the reflections of something like Gartner Magic Quadrant or a Wave Report, where it gives them the ability to kind of understand who's gravitating, you know, kind of higher up uh, from for a value proposition for that customer. Um, and it helps them shortlist uh, the vendors they're going to evaluate because you can't evaluate, you know, the dozens that are out there that, that might serve your particular need. So these type of lists um, serve that purpose. But it, but it is interesting, and it's not without controversy, right? Because it, it's almost like a, using a cheat sheet uh, to shortlist the, the vendors you want to review. And there might be other ones that are, are further down um, uh, the list that might be valuable and, and maybe even better suited uh, for your environment. Um, but these things generally give comp- customers, companies, uh, IT departments, the ability to kind of shortlist. Um, but I would be very careful to say it, that's where the value probably stops because then once you've shortlisted the companies, now you've got to get into how does the technology actually work? So the industry validation can only take you so far, but you've got a problem to solve and you've got to be able to match up to make sure you get the right vendor that's going to solve the problem you're you're looking to um, solve. Yeah, and I think that's a really valuable point, actually. And we'll talk about um, kind of the, the main main topic of uh, this kind of Gartner report that we want to chat about. But, but I think you make a very good point about just based on where organizations are sat in, you know, in Gartner's case, have this idea, the concept of magic quadrant, you know, and the idea that the 
you know the the leaders in in that any particular part of an industry sit in this kind of top right hand corner and that's you know that's one way of sifting through but like you said you know you might have a corner case a niche case of the way you want to deploy technology so that doesn't necessarily mean you rule out everybody else because if they're particularly strong in a niche area and that niche area is the one you want to look at then you know it certainly makes sense that you you know you you would notice that they were a niche player you know via that kind of gartner report but you'd also realize where their strong points were. And if those strong points match what you were trying to do, then then that would make sense to, to kind of look at them, maybe alongside some of the some of the leaders in, in any particular report. So, so I think, you know, lots, right. lots of value in, in doing that. So well, let, let's kind of touch on this, um, you know, and, and so to, the background of this was that we saw a, a report um, from Gartner, one of these analyst companies, uh, one of their magic quadrant reports that looked at the kind of the primary storage market. So, you know, do, do you want to kind of give us a, a little bit of a, you know, and, and this, this reflected particularly well for NetApp. And it was kind of the reason we wanted to have a chat about this to try and understand why and, and what NetApp were doing in that space and, and why, uh, why, why this Gartner report reflected so well. Um, but do you, do you want to kind of give a, a little bit of a flavor of what that primary storage uh, reports about, you know, and the, the kind of area that it covers? Sure. And I, I want to do a quick disclaimer here because I, there, there's some ground rules that vendors have to play by when we uh, talk about uh, the magic quadrants and other things. Um, and that is, is how how do we frame our, our, our success or failure uh, w- within the, the magic quadrant? And what we can say is, is that we are a leader in the primary storage magic quadrant that, that Gartner has developed. But there, you know, in the context, there's uh, probably what, uh, eight other uh, leaders in that bucket as well. I would encourage folks to actually look at the magic quadrant and read it. I think they did a very good and very thorough job, of course. Uh, <laughs> it came out very favorable for us. Uh, but I, I think if you look at the, at the uh, commentary that they provided uh, around it, I think pe- most people would, would find it pretty reasonable. Um, I would imagine the vendors that didn't fare so well, and it may may think otherwise. But uh, well, I think you. I mean, you mentioned that. You actually, you mentioned that commentary, and I think um, it, it kind of goes back to something you were saying before that it's easy just to look at the pitch. And I'll make sure there's a, a link goes into the show notes um, because I know NetApp have provided a link where people can can download this report. Um, so I'll, I'll make sure that link goes in so people can look for themselves um, because it's easy just to look at the kind of the quadrant they do and go, "Oh, look, the people in the top right hand corner, they must be the ones to consider." Like you say, that kind of commentary that they provide gives you a good flavor you know and even for the people who sit in that kind of you know those as you say kind of seven or eight companies who sit in that leaders area of that quadrant all of those have their pros and cons and all those things have have consideration so so you know reading that commentary is um, extremely important but um yeah so so we you know we say with this this kind of um, one around primary storage and one of the first things actually that caught my attention I'd, I'd be interested in your thoughts on it was that this is something that Gartner have consolidated from a couple of reports yeah we used to have one which was um kind based on all flash arrays or flash storage and one that was based on what they, they termed as hybrid storage. So, so you've got some thoughts on, on uh, why this has been consolidated down and, and, and what, what view, why Gartner took that approach? Well, I think, it, it, let's just cut to it. I think it's the maturity of flash storage. And um, as flash storage has become more mainstream and the price points have gotten to a point to where now you can logically compare hybrid and all flash reasonably 
uh, for solving similar problems. And so I think it, it got to a point that it didn't make sense to separate those anymore. And this is just my opinion. This is obviously, uh, I'm not speaking for Gartner, but just from an industry perspective, it seemed to be obvious that um, there was a convergence of, the, of these two different technologies that were solving similar problems. And I think from a customer perspective, it helps solidify and help them narrow down um, how they view primary storage. And so I think it's, it's valuable from a customer perspective. I, I would imagine that there's probably some vendors that would prefer that these things were separate and, and almost niche so that they could uh, uh, excel in their particular niche. Um, but I think this is more valuable consolidated for from a customer perspective. Yeah, and I think it's like you say, I, I think it speaks a lot for in my view, and again, I'm not speaking for Gartner or for NetApp, you know, just, just speaking for, for me, um, it, it, you know, is that idea that when people are looking at the storage market now as well, that it, it's not just about storage. You know, people are not just saying, I want to pull the disks and I just want to put stuff on it. You know, they're looking at a much bigger picture around that now that, you know, it's much more around kind of data management. They want to make sure that they've got integration, perhaps with public cloud, with other storage repositories they've got. Um, and the idea that I'm, I'm my consideration is, is I just want to consider all flash because all flashes, you know, because you're potentially just looking at that because it's really quick, you know, and maybe that's, but that's not really a, a, an overall data strategy, you know. So, so kind of that, that stuff kind of makes sense to me as well, that you, you would go down that route of looking at storage as a much wider, kind of a much wider piece. And, and I think that kind of reflects the conversations that, that certainly I see when, when I'm chatting with people in enterprises, you know, they, they very rarely now want to consider boxes of disks. This is much more around kind of storage strategy um yes and, you know and, and maybe um you know looking at some of the, the commentary that, that Gartner had in there you know they obviously they, they kind of pick out NetApp as as one of these companies in that leadership portion you know so I mean what was your take on on why they did that you know what, what do you think NetApp are doing particularly well what did Gartner kind of call out as as real positives from a from a NetApp point of view well, I think there are three angles uh, on this from a NetApp perspective. The first is our data fabric st uh, strategy. And if, if you're familiar with our, our, our methodology around our, our data fabric, it really is about making multi-cloud, hybrid multi-cloud real and being able to um, get visibility into your environment, whether it's on-premises or off-premises. So I think data fabric, first and foremost, was, was a key driver. There are two other elements to this too. Um, Active IQ, which is uh, what we use, it's the artificial intelligence we use in, in Gleam from the thousands of customers that are using NetApp infrastructure. You know, we can kind of see patterns, and we can, um, autom with automation, be able to uh, deliver recommendations and remediation if there's challenges or potential before there's a, ch a problem or an issue. Um, Gartner has been very, very keen on, on how we leverage Active IQ. And I think the, the third element to this is NVMe and, and the true end to end NVMe capabilities that uh, we've brought to market and that I think uh, that we're seeing our, our, our largest growth come from is, <clears throat> is you know, from that end to end NVMe. And uh, it's really. Um, it's a, from a technology perspective, and a lot of times, let's be candid here, a, a, a lot of IT people don't care how, how the, uh, the sausage gets made. They just want to be able to, to, to taste the sausage. But there's a lot of technology and innovation behind our implementation of NVMe, and I think Gartner recognized that as well. And um, 
so I think those three elements, the data fabric, active IQ, and NBME were kind of kind of the cornerstone, I think, that distinguished us from um, the rest of the industry. And that's reflected in the in the comments um, that uh, Gartner uh, made in their summaries of each of the vendors. And um, obviously, I, I mean, I suppose maybe it's only fair to do this. Now, actually, I wasn't thinking of asking this question, but um, but, I'm, but I'm going to throw it in regardless. So within that commentary, they they do kind of pros and cons as well. Now, I, I mean, you know, so they, they they listed some cons around kind of how um, uh, you know the, the NetApp technology stack and some of the findings they had. You know, so so what were some of those things? You know, and, and was there a, a take from a NetApp point of view on that? <laughs> yeah, of course there is. <laughs> um, it's kind of interesting. So, um, you know, a lot of the challenges that that they noted for us were, um, I think, almost kind of logistical in, in, in a sense, and, and um, how we are reorganizing our organization to provide support and to really get to um, uh, the best service our customers in, in different geographies. And I, you know, I, again, these things take time uh, to evolve, and, and I think we've done a pretty good job um, of, our, of our, even though it's a caution um, that they've shared. I, I think we've done a pretty good job of um, making sure that we, especially leveraging tools like Active IQ to drive support for our customers. Um, yeah, and I, mean, and I think that you know the comments or cautions, that, you know, and I think that's fair what you've just said as well. That they were very much um, kind of logistical, operational challenges almost, and and not necessarily certainly not technology challenges. I don't I don't think they were highlighting them. Um, so yeah, so so sorry to throw that one at you, but I, I thought thought it's perhaps only fair fair to ask. Um, I, I mean, going back to the kind of the um, the strengths element, and it was interesting, kind of the areas that you picked out there. You know, do, do you think that those uh, you know that the the report that Gartner did reflected so well on those particular strengths because actually they're the kind of things that they see across the wider industry and I, I I touched before that when when people are looking at storage it's not just about buying box of discs you know they want something that's part of a much bigger data strategy and interesting you kind of touched on data fabric I think that kind of ability around the Active IQ platform that you talked about to have a much wider understanding of exactly how your data is operating, but not just in terms of uh, how your data is operating as storage alone, but being able to stretch that out via some other plugins, uh, you know, NetApp have a product called Cloud Insights that, that can play a part in that, to look at the wider use of technology as, you know, as, as it interacts with storage. So, so, but did you think those kind of things that, that, that have been picked up by Gartner are, are you know things that they're seeing wider in the the, the kind of the data market, the, the wider technology trends. Yeah, and I think that's certainly why, why um, our data fabric strategy was was so compelling to them. I would also add in there, even though this was a you know, primary storage MQ, when you look at what we've done and how we are trying to change and evolve the hyperconverged market and NetApp's HCI, even though that's not you know uh, that's an entirely di HCI is an entirely uh, different MQ. I think when you look at data fabric, when you look at our, our HCI strategy for how you're building out your private clouds, um, and you look at artificial intelligence being leveraged by Active IQ, you kind of set, you know paints the picture of, of where we're going as an organization that really kind of focuses on that data management element. And I know data management is such a, a an amorphous sometimes. It, people would argue in a nonsensical term, but when you think about the responsibilities you have, um, whether the problems you're solving are, are for, for GDPR or um, 
uh, performance on your systems um, to be able to you know, drive lower latencies so you're more responsive to your customers regardless of their geographies. Things like data fabric and your private cloud really become really, really critical, right? So um, in, to me, it's so much more than just uh, you know, the, the speeds and feeds of, of your NVMe uh, flash storage. Um, it really is more about the what's the bigger picture look like? What's the bigger value proposition? What problems are we really solving here? Because uh, I, I think, and, and Paul, you've seen this as, as well as I have. I, I think it, we're well past that era of where speeds and feeds uh, competition kind of dif- distinguish one vendor from another. It really is about the problems that we're solving and, and, and how do we solve that in a cost-effective way. And one of the things I always champion is, is the right data at the right place for the right cost. Um, and being having those enabling technologies to be able to, to, to navigate those challenges that you're trying to solve in your environment is, is critically important. It's so much more than your speeds and feeds anymore. Yeah, and I'd say I couldn't agree more with that. I think the, um, you know, and, and I think, you know, the, the idea of public cloud has, has really killed that idea of speeds and feeds for lots of organizations, because I think today we, we are often looking at the way we consume technology as being completely outcome driven, you know, and, and you know, and, and, and I've, I've, you know, people who are listening to this show, um, it shouldn't be a surprise. You know, I've, I've worked closer with NetApp for, for a relatively long time, you know, and a real advocate of the way I think that they've gone about um, the, you know, their business over, particularly over the last five or six years, I think so some really interesting thought leadership in the, in the data data space. I think the way they've kind of transformed or tried to transform themselves from just being a company that is seen as a storage company to one that is much more around, a, and as you, know, you said before, this kind of generic amorphous term of data management. But that idea of data fabric strategy, you know, to try and make data at the core of the way you decide your kind of your your storage infrastructure platform, your storage design has been really, really important. And I think that's been kind of backed by the way that the market has started to move. You know, and it's nice to see likes of Gartner recognizing, you know, NetApp are doing some really innovative space stuff in this space. You know, we talked about the NVMe stuff and I think that's, you know, that's a, a valuable show that technology innovation still plays a part in the, the way that that's been looked at. You know, and that, that goes to some of the other vendors who who popped up in that, that top right-hand corner as well. You know, they're all showing innovation in, in different ways. And I think as, as the as the way that we as, as organizations are needing to use data in the future it's really important that innovation is promoted and innovation is encouraged in that market as opposed to this kind of race to the bottom of just make your storage date cheap because people just want disks and and don't really care you know so so i think all that's 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 real positive stuff so um you know as, as we kind of uh, as we kind of wrap up here um you know is, is, is uh, any kind of further comments was there any kind of other findings that you took in general from kind of what gartner had covered you know and and the kind of direction that the market's taking. No, I, but I would say, you know, the Gartner Magic Quadrant is, is one snapshot to, to kind of evaluate vendors. But I, I would just go back to look at um, uh, no matter what problem you're trying to solve is, is to look at the scope of the vendor capabilities to be able to address those concerns. And it, it's everywhere from security to uh, performance to um how uh, cloud native your infrastructure is and, and 
it, all of these things are, are considerations um, as, as you think about, uh, you may not call it a data fabric, but if, if you're building private or hybrid clouds, you're building a data fabric. <laughs> so I, it, it's really important to uh, distinguish the capabilities of the vendors you're working with. And um, it's, it's a great time to be in this industry. And if you're building hybrid clouds, um, that you've never had more tools or more resources to be able to execute on this. So to me, this is just an exciting period of time where this industry is transitioning. And I think we're going to start seeing a separation of, of, of vendors that are bringing innovation to that space and the ones that are just kind of just being commodity resources. Um, it, so it's a, it's a fun time. It, it's a good time to, to see what's going on in the market. Yeah, and I very much agree. I think that, you know, I think it makes, it, it makes life really interesting that we're starting to see this shift from a view of, you know, when we've considered storage, we have considered speeds and feeds or which vendor it is or, you know, some of the, maybe some of the underlying uh, technology that's almost become standards kind of stuff now. And the, the view is starting to change this idea of looking at data as, as the, the reason that we're designing this kind of stuff. And I, and I love that phrase about kind of the right data in the right place at the right time um, and making sure that at the right cost. Uh, at the right cost, of course. Yeah, yeah, and, 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 and I think the idea, yeah, you can tell I'm a techie at heart. Don't worry about the cost. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, there's unlimited budgets out there. Just throw, uh, throw more storage yeah, at it. Yeah, exactly. You know, just put it anywhere. Who cares? Um, cost but, no, is, but, I mean, but seriously, cost is a variable that, that, um, that, that we all know that customers are super conscious of. And so that cost has to fit into a variable of where the value of that technology that they're implementing um, it, it, implementing and so it's it's a critical element to it we joke about it but it, it, it's a very serious element here yeah and like i say and i think having a, a a data platform that you've designed a data strategy that takes into account that at some point you might need to move that data to somewhere new whether it's for functionality whether it's for cost whether it's for some other kind of business outcome but but that focus on design for the way you want to use your data don't design around the limitations or features of a, a particular platform, a particular vendor, I think, like you said, make, makes the industry a really interesting place. So, um, well, look, Greg, we, we've kind of run to the end of our time here. I know you've got a, a whole bunch of other things to do. You've got a big conference coming up at the end of October. That, you uh, do. Insights coming. It's just right around the corner. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so no doubt you've got dry runs and presentations to, to kind of figure out. Um, but um, well, Paul, uh, let, me do a, let me do a quick plug, if you don't mind. So, uh, plug away. So, uh, as, as you know, um, I'm going to be giving you some competition. Phoebe Go and I uh, have a new podcast called Go Your Way. And uh, we're actually going to do some recordings at Insight. And I think, Paul, I think we're going to be connecting with you uh, throughout Insight um, uh, to shed, shed some light on some of the mega sessions and general session activity that's going on. Yeah, well, we'll be happy to do that. I know, um, yes, your your co-host on your other podcast. We've we've got some some content that uh, that people will be able to see coming out, and particularly for those going to Insight, that hopefully they'll find interesting. So, um, well, look, Greg, as as we wrap up here, if, if people want to find out a little bit more about kind of um, either what Gartner is saying or or what NetApp are doing in, in some of these areas, you know, you talked about data fabric, etc. Uh, what's a good place to do that? And if they um, haven't found you on the internet before, how's how's a good place to do that as well? So to find me uh, on Twitter, it's at Nierman, which if, if you can spell it, you've passed the first test. It's at K-N-I-E-R-I-E-M-E-N. And I would also encourage folks, uh, we've got a lot of content around the Magic Quadrant on blog.netapp.com. I would encourage you to go there and uh, look at uh, some of the commentary from our leadership and reflection on that. And also there's links from there to get to uh, the actual Magic Quadrant report so you can read for yourself and come to your own conclusions. 
Well, Greg, look, I appreciate that. That's uh, you know, great, great to have you on again. Always nice to chat with you, and uh, look forward to speaking to you again sometime soon. Thank you, Paul. I hope you enjoyed that. For show notes, pop over to techstringy.com. We'll also find all of our previous Tech Interviews episodes. And if you've got an idea for the show or would like to appear as a guest, then why not drop me an email at podcast at techstringy.com. If you want to catch next week's show, you can always subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Stitcher, as well as all other good homes of podcasts. So until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you.